Alright, welcome to Teaching Others Also. This is part three of our series on use versus abuse. We ran it right up to the limit yesterday. And we were right in the middle of making an illustration. And we'll build up to that here real quickly. We've been talking about the use of things. We've been talking about how God gives prescribed uses and prohibitive uses. And we're blending that together on this third day with the idea last time of proper uses. We're talking about animals. And the fact that we have to be careful that we don't allow ourselves as Christians to violate the things the Lord said when it comes to what priority and what value and, and really what we spend our time, effort, emotions, money, etc. And the illustration I was using was this, so you understand the context. We're just going to jump right back into it. Hopefully you'll have listened to the first couple of days or catch up on them. But the idea is this, I understand about animals, I do. And I guess that's for me why I know how important it is that we understand this thing of proper uses and prescribed uses and prohibited uses. And let me say this. I'm going to give you the same illustration I started yesterday that always comes to my mind about understanding about being attached to animals. But would you think of this as I give you the story? Let's take animals. Let's take technology. Let's take news. Let's take knowledge, knowledge of something that may have happened to somebody or something there's going through. Let's take influence. That is, people believe you or they take your recommendation, okay? Let's take money. Let's take time, okay? Let's take your brain power, your thinking power, okay? Let's take those things and think of this. Does God have some prescribed and proper uses? And does he have some prohibited uses for things like animals and technology? <coughs> excuse me, and news and knowledge and influence and money and time and brain power and then anything else you could add to the list. Those are just things that, that, that come to my mind. Okay? I do understand about being attached to, to stuff. I do also understand that one advantage I had was I had to learn, we were not even Christians at all, but I had to learn to the value of things versus people versus animals. Uh, I was take, I can remember just expressly this horse. He was a, a chestnut horse. He was a beautiful horse. He was built more like a quarter horse, but we raced thoroughbreds and he was super fast over short distances. And he could literally beat a quarter horse if they went around the turn. And straight away, the quarter horse would catch him. And I can remember guys wanting to match race him. Quarter horse guys wanted to match race this horse that my dad managed, trained. And my dad said, we'll do that as long as it's around a turn. And then, of course, they wouldn't because they knew he could beat him with it. He knew how to change leads, etc. Point being that in the rate on the racetrack, they had these things called claiming races. And I'll just use an illustration. Let's say it was a $7,500 claiming race. When you enter your horse in that race and it gets accepted into that race, you now have entered on this condition that if someone wants to claim that horse and they have the money to back it, they can put, the, they can put in a box, they can put this slip, a claiming slip, with their name and the horse's name and proof that they have the $7,500 and you are virtually saying, if someone wants to take this horse, he's for sale for $7,500. Now, they do this with the horses so they can get some races under their belt and get some wins, and they raise it higher and higher, and then they might end up in a 
handicap race or a stakes race. I can remember this horse. I can remember when my dad entered him in that claiming race because the owner wanted it done. Because the owner said if he doesn't start winning or doing stuff, and I can remember he won. Well, winning doesn't make the horse exempt from being claimed, and they claimed him. And we, for years, had a picture of me standing in the winner's circle beside this horse, and they had just come up and told my dad that he'd been claimed. And I heard it, and I was so upset, I was ready to, I mean, I'm, I'm like 10, 11 years old. Technically, I wasn't supposed to be back there taking care of horses, but that's what we did in those days. And I can, and I can remember that picture. You could see the tears coming down my cheeks when they claimed my horse. Now, he wasn't mine. We didn't own him. We just trained him. We managed him, you'd say, for those of you not in the industry, to understand what, it, what the role was. So I understand that. I, I, I understand I had a, a, a really nice, a guy gave me a, a purebred, a, a registered bird dog, a beautiful English pointer. And we had to go away and race for six months. And my dad knew a fellow and he said, Let, let's see if he'll take her and watch her and she'll still be yours when we get back. And I'd really grown attached to that dog. And we got back and somehow she'd gotten out. They lived on a country road, but the one or two cars that came by got her. I understand that. I understand. We had a horse named Doubting Thomas, believe it or not. We weren't Christians or nothing. He was a big gray stallion, Doubting Thomas. I understand. He, he was every, he was our, he was the only horse we owned personally. And he was good breeding stock. And in fact, we ended up having his very last foal in our possession, uh, when my parents got saved. But I remember we tried to save him by walking him and the vet was there for three days and he laid down in that shed row and put his head in my dad's lap and died. I remember that. I remember it was the only time other than my baby brother being in intensive care with spinal meningitis that my daddy cried until I saw him get saved. And then, of course, the the buckets of tears came out the rest of his life. But here's my point. I understand that. I do. I didn't grow up a city boy that it's hard to know. But I also know what it's like when we bought two bull dairy calves because they sell them off and we fixed them, castrated them, and we grew them up till they're ready, a little past what they call velar age. And I still remember how many times they got out, even though we had them barricaded in, they got out in the middle of winter and I had to go get them in the snow and the neighbors were upset. I remember that. I remember my mama saying, how are you ever going to eat that meat when it comes back from the butcher? And I said, mom, I'll eat mine and yours. I thank God that there was that balance somehow presented to me in my life. And I kissed him on the forehead when I sent him up that trailer and I said I'll see you soon and I did come back in these boxes amen now I know some people be passing freaking out and all that so you understand is it's not a one-sided or other side with me there's no callousness I I hate when guys go off and shoot stuff just for the heck of it now if you're out there killing off hogs that are tearing stuff up or coyotes that are eating stuff etc that to me that's a whole different thing that you, you it's got to be done but I knew guys down under that would go out and just shoot emus to, to see what the ammo would do to them. You know, look like a giant pillow exploding. I, I never understood that. I never understood that cruelty. I'm giving you all this and taking several minutes to say, we need to, to be careful about prescribed and proper uses versus prohibited use of uses. When I was growing up, I wanted to be a veterinarian. I really did a lot. 
And and obviously I was gonna I wanted to work on large animals like horses and cattle and bulls and all that. That's what I was around. And I did a couple little internships with veterinarians, especially in the summers. I would do my work and <coughs> work for them in the afternoon. And one of them in particular was very very wise fellow, and he took me under his wing. And I'll never forget one day he said, "What kind of veterinarian do you want to be?" And I was about ninth grade, so there's only a few years from getting ready to go to veterinary school. And God saw fit to do differently. He saved me and told me to preach, and, and I did. But I remember he said, what kind do you want to be? And I said, well, explain. He said, well. He said, if you want to make money, you need to get into small animal veterinary medicine. So understand this is in the late 60s. I said, okay. He said, if you want to enjoy yourself knowing how you are, you get into large animal. I said, well, why is the difference? He said, if you'll get into small animal medicine, and this is in the 60s, he said, if you'll buy a little piece of property, get it zoned, turn it into a pet cemetery, he said, I'm telling you, you, before you're 35, you'll be set for life. He said, that's where we're headed in America. He said, this thing with pets, people have, have lost their balance. He, now, th this was not a Christian. I wasn't, and I'm not. Just take it for what I'm saying. And I have lived to see that happen. I have lived to see where someone might even get, say, a rescue dog. And it's a blessing to take care of rescue. It's awesome. And end up spending five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars on them. I had a fellow one time ask me about getting a horse for his daughter. And I said, well, you're going to have to ask yourself what you're going to do. He said, well, this horse is only $2,500. I said, what are you going to do if he runs into a fence out there? And he needs about $3,000, which is nothing to fix up a horse nowadays. I said, are you going to put him down? Are you going to explain that to her? Or are you going to spend another 3000 on him? That's a difficult thing, isn't it? You know what I mean? And I'm just throwing it out there because it's, it's a way in which we can visualize the difference between how God made the world and how we've come to think. Now, I know you could do that about vehicles and machinery. You could do it about all kinds of things. You could do it about technology. I mean, is not technology being abused way more than used? How about the use of technology when it comes to spreading news and knowledge? This social media thing, folks, are you using it or abusing it? This thing of our money and our time and our brain power you see it's not for me to tell you how i don't want to tell you how to use it but i know this truth to me now i want to put it back in context for you to think about overnight on this one okay what is the difference between the old way that they had to deal with things naturally grown and made things like <clears throat> when he told timothy use a little wine for the stomach sake, like a prescription. What is there between that use and abuse when it comes to chemicals? Christians today think they're more spiritual by taking a drug that isn't prohibited than they do by taking a natural medicine that is not prohibited. We're not talking about, you know, smoking dope or none of that kind of stuff. But we'll just say things, different kinds of alcohol, different things that they treat you with, different things that uh, clean out your lungs, stuff that they've used for hundreds and thousands of years for disinfectant, 
for all kinds of stuff. Of course, my dad's favorite thing was grab the mineral spirits, you know, if you had a cut and pour it in it or, or grab the turpentine or the, or whatever, or just straight alcohol poured on it. And I guess I inherited that. I still do that to this day. But my point is, we've lost the ability to step back and to be practical as Christians and say, okay, wait a minute. If someone gives you a prescription for pain medication, I don't know if you've ever had the kind of injury or surgery that was so bad that you finally, no matter how much you don't like taking anything, you welcomed it, okay? I've been there. I've been in such pain through surgery and stuff that there's no way around it. What is the danger? The danger is that running from use to what? Abuse or abuse. In other words, abnormal, wrong, unprescribed use. Okay? But that's the case also with any kind of stuff, whether it be uh, someone takes a, a form or version of NyQuil, for example, with the alcohol in it, or any kind of medicine like that. And they would gladly go buy it at the, at the grocery or drugstore, but they would be scared to death. They may see them, you know, buying any other kind of alcohol and put it in, in, in a substance. And I'm not saying go down to the liquor store, but I'm saying that we've lost our common sense. Because I've seen more people get messed up on prescribed medications, Christians, than any other thing. And I'm not saying tempt everything with alcohol stuff, but you're tempting it with those prescriptions. And you have to be careful. You have to be careful. We have to be careful because there are prohibited uses. Prohibited uses that we need. Okay? We need to be careful of. There's prescribed uses. There's prohibited uses. There's proper uses. So I trust that my illustrations here, you understand, it's not about not ever having a good pet and all that or taking good care of them. You, if you have one, you should be a steward. But it is a, it is a thought. I heard a fellow say this. He's gone to be with the Lord. He would have been a 100 last week or so. <clears throat> He's with the Lord now. He said he used to have a nightmare that he spent more on the dog food and stuff for his German shepherds than he did on missions. And I used to think, well, you know what? People don't understand how practical that is. So I pray you'll give it some thought. It could be about any part of your life. Pray about it. Ask the Lord every, Adam, every part of your life and we'll continue and see you tomorrow. Have a great day.